it's wonderful to be here, wonderful to worship with you, and to sense the presence of Holy Spirit, and uh, give you greetings from my family. I, I'm, I'm blessed. I, you know, I, last night I met with some classmates from 50 years ago I hadn't seen for 50 years, and they wanted to, they were curious about, you know, they know I'm a, was a pastor and now a, a missions pastor, and well, they wanted to know, was it the military that straightened you out? I said, no, Tim Blagan and I had an encounter with Jesus, and it was the real deal. I said, yeah. and uh, it, it stuck. I said, so it's, it's the real deal. So he is real. You know, uh, I'm 50 years old in Christ. This is my 68th year on planet Earth that I've completed. And, and, uh, but uh, I've, I'm learning more and more about his wonderful love. The most valuable thing I'm learning is that God is my friend. And so I want to talk to you today about who is God and who are you? Who is God and who am I? I've had, spent a lot of time. I do live in the mountains. I was talking with, with Barb there. I do live in the mountains. And more ways than one, I like to get up in the natural mountains. But I really like to get into the presence of God. I like the songs this morning. We're wonderful. Thank you, Linda. It's wonderful just to be in the presence of God. Okay, so what is it that defines God? Whatever our view of God is will determine what we can become. Whatever we see God to be is what we can become. Our view of God will determine who we see God to be to our world. In other words, people see us, they see our God. And what we see God to be is what we bring to the world. Jesus said we're supposed to be salt, we're supposed to be light. So what manner of salt are we to our world? What manner of light are we to our world? At the end of Jesus' earthly life as a, as a man, uh, in John chapter 17, he prays to the Father, and he prays to the Father, he says, I... I didn't pray for the world. I prayed for those that you gave. I prayed for the 12. And I didn't lose any of the 12 except for the one that I was supposed to lose. And in the same way that you sent me, Father, I'm sending them. Now, that was his 12 disciples, but it was not long after Jesus ascended into heaven and put the mantle of his spirit upon the body of Christ that. There was an explosion of what Jesus had come to do. In one day, 3,000 were added to the church, and then thousands and thousands daily people were coming to believe because something greater was happening after Jesus was here than when Jesus was here. He made it possible for people to have a personal encounter with God. The good news is really simple. It's God made it possible for us to be a temple of Holy Spirit. He made that possible as individuals. He made it possible as people together. We came here today and we're experiencing what is it like to be a temple of Holy Spirit. This building is not the temple. We are. And whenever we come together, we can experience the presence of God that is in us. And then we affect our world. Jesus did not pray for the world, John 17 says. He prayed for those that God had given him. Now, every one of us has a world. 
I was at a family reunion yesterday, and, and my world is a family. It's pretty big. There were 10 kids in our family. So now some have gone to heaven, so our world now is even getting bigger because it extends into eternity. Yeah. <laughs> but our world was our family. And so everybody has a world. Uh, last night, I was listening to some of my former classmates and listening to their story, and everybody has a story, and in that story, there's joyful moments and there's painful moments. Everybody has uh, a story that, that affects our, our thoughts, it affects our reasoning, it affects our imagination, it affects our emotions, it affects our desires. Every one of us has a story, but the question is, what determines our influence to our story? What determines our influence to our world? Who we see or what we see God to be determines how we influence the world. So God wants us to know him. He wants to, us to know him in an intimate way. He's the only one who can give us our true identity, our true testimony, and our true purpose. Some people say, well, you know, there's an identity crisis on planet Earth right now. I actually think there's an identity cry on planet Earth right yeah. now. There's some amazing things happen happening if you look to the news of the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdoms of the world. If you look to darkness, you're going to see darkness. But if you look for the light, I was just in South Africa, and I had the blessing to speak in a public school, and I preached Jesus. I said, you have an earthly father. There were hundreds, I don't know, maybe 700 kids in the school. And I said, you have an earthly father that's greater than any earthly dad. And these kids start shouting. And many of them were Christians, but not all of them. And then we started singing uh, uh, to Jesus. And they responded wonderfully and asked me to come back. God is moving in a generation. You know, the the, the uh, Jesus revolution that took place that caused many of us, right, Barb and yeah. Tim, and yeah. many of us to come, Linda and Rod. Uh, we came to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit was doing something that was not understandable by the natural. And I believe he's doing something now that is not understandable by the natural. Now. I'm going to look at some scriptures to help us see who God is. Uh, my last few years, COVID year, was a wonderful year for me because I didn't travel, which meant I, it, before COVID started, I, I shared maybe with you, I've shared with people, but uh, before COVID started, God told me that 2020 was going to be a year where I would find him resting in my life. Before I, anything happened, he said, 2020 is going to be a year of you knowing my rest in your life. And we often think of rest as I'm exhausted, I need a rest. But God doesn't rest because he's exhausted. He rests because he's extremely satisfying. And man's first day was not a day of work. It was a day of God resting. It wasn't a day of man resting. He hadn't done anything. God, man's first day was to experience God who was very pleased resting in his life so that then man could find their identity in a place that is very pleased, very satisfied, a God who loves them, and then they could go and accomplish whatever needed to be accomplished in the earth for the glory of God. So in the very beginning, in Genesis 2, I'm going to just give you some 
secrets that God has been speaking to me. He's resting in my life. I had a delightful 2020. I had a better 2021. 2022 was really good. This year, he's told me that this was going to be a year of new strength. It was going to be a year of hurdles. That hurdles are not obstacles to, intended to stop you, but they are things placed in front of you that you're going to have to get over. And it's going to draw something out of you that you don't know is in you. I want to tell you that the ability of the love of God that's inside of you, Christ who lives in you, is better than you even know. And so he puts things in front of you that look like they're stopping places, but they're things that you that Christ in you gets you over. And so this year I've had, so he said, you're going to be a year of unexpected things. Uh, but remember that I am, I am great, I am good, and my mercy endures forever. Yeah. You know, that's the sound of God. Yeah. All through the Old Testament, if you look at worship in the Psalms, it always was, God is great, God is good, His mercy endures forever. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, if you're listening to a voice that doesn't sound like that, ignore it. <laughs> If if you if it sounds even if it quotes scripture to you and it doesn't sound like God is great, God is good, and his mercy endures forever, ignore it. The devil's great at quoting scripture. But when God speaks, life happens. When he speaks, life happens. Okay? So in Genesis 2, of course, God created man, he spoke to himself, he uh, formed man from the dust breathed in him life, and then he placed him in this garden that he had planted. And in Genesis 2, verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord... So we'll stop there. So... So God didn't want man to die. Now, religion, we interpret that to say, and God said, you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you do, I'll kill you. No, it sounded more like this. Eat, 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 Don't touch that one. It'll kill you. See, God didn't kill man for eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eating of the knowledge of good and evil will kill you. God has never killed a sinner, but sin kills a sinner every time. Being disconnected from life, I mean, it's not rocket science. Being disconnected from life will kill you. Being disconnected from the one who loves you will be a disastrous thing. Don't ever be disconnected. Now, the thing that disconnected man from God was all the trees were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Okay, I know we say, well, it's the you know it's the it's the lust of the eye, the pride of life. Okay, we, we we do all that, but he says all the trees looked good, all the trees tasted good, but there was one difference in this other tree. It made you smart. It, it made you wise. It made you independent. It made you not dependent. It made you. Not so desperate in the facade of a lie. It, it, and, it, and it exchanged the reality of our world for information 
and robbed us of intimacy. Human beings are the only creation on planet Earth that thinks they live by being informed. Okay? Every other thing in creation lives by being transformed. I love, uh, you know, Paul says all of creation, Romans chapter 1, reveals the mysteries of the Godhead. And so if I have a hard time understanding my scripture, I take a walk in the forest. And I ask Holy Spirit to start teaching me. Now, you don't get it if you're walking in the city with things that people make. But if you go look at what God made, it'll talk to you. That's why people who live in the country sometimes are a lot smarter than people who live in the city. Because they're a little closer to nature. And God is always speaking. Okay? And so, so I have a fig tree in my yard. And, and growing figs where I live is a, is a bit of a challenge, but it can be done. And I have a fig tree that has two crops of figs. And you get an early fig and a late fig. And where I live, you're only going to get the early figs because the season's not long enough for your late figs. Okay? But, I, but this fig tree, I, and I have lots of trees and things in my yard. And so this fig tree I had planted, and we had a, a long, cold winter. It was very cold and wet. And so the fig tree was not waking up. And so I left in April. The end of April, I went for 24 days to South Africa, Angola, Portugal. And so I was gone for 24 days. When I left, the fig tree looked dead. I told my wife, I said, honey, watch the fig tree and let me know if it pops a leaf. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's still alive. And, uh, and so uh, she, I told her, I said, watch the grapevines. When you see a little leaf on the grapevine, the fig tree will be next. Right? So I talked to her every day on FaceTime. You know, I'm FaceTiming my wife. I said, Dave, how's the fig tree? She said, no, the fig tree? Nope. I'm not seeing anything yet, honey. And so after a couple of weeks, no fig tree doing anything yet. She said, I'm a little nervous, honey, because the, the grapevine's got some leaves on it. And there's no fig tree leaves. Okay. So I was gone for 24 days. At day 22 on the road, my wife says, honey, there's a leaf on the fig tree. Now, the fig tree, I didn't put any, uh, I didn't put the book of figs out there <laughs> for the fig tree to read while I was gone. I didn't say memorize this, make sure you discipline yourself in the fig flesh so that you can bear figs. I didn't put fig videos on. Uh, I didn't say, you know, there's a great fig conference and there's a fig seminar that I need you to to be at while I'm gone because I don't want you to be dead, fig tree. No, the fig tree was in the environment of a fig tree and it may come alive. Okay, now the environment of the fig tree and the environment, you know, I sit in my office at home and in spring, I love it because it, it, it's a time when Holy Spirit really teaches me because there's a lot of transformation going on. In a world of humans being informed, Creation is still being transformed yes, it is. because it's still connected to its proper environment. Right. It's planted in what God spoke to. But when God made us, he spoke to himself. And so to be transformed, we have to be planted in a relationship with him. The biggest enemy of being planted in relationship with him is getting smart. 
50 years old in Christ, is an enemy to day one. Uh, great song today, Linda. Thank you. Take us back to where, to where we, started. we started. Take and us back to where we know that you. we were yeah. born to be loved by you, God. Yeah. Oh, you're so wonderful. You, 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 you kissed me and I came alive. You yeah. see, the fig tree, it's amazing. You know, human beings, we, we are three part. We're spirit, soul, and body. All right, now, all three of those things are so wonderful that when we transition into glory, we get a new body. Now, it's different than this, but it's a body. You have to have a spirit, you have to have a soul, and you have to have a body. Just like to have God, we have to have the Father, we have to have the Son, we have to have the Spirit. So, as human beings, we're spirit, soul, and body. Now, they... My body, and on my fig tree, if I know fig trees, I can look out and I see the shape of a fig tree. This is no leaves on it. It's just the branches. It's trunk. Does yes. It flower? Huh? Does it flower? The fig tree does not okay, really sorry. flower. It just this puts one. out. Yeah, no, it puts out a little fig eventually. Uh, nope. So, so the fig tree, when you look at the shape of a fig tree uh, around here, of course, you have hickory trees. you got butternut trees. Uh, you got uh, lots of oak trees, maple trees, apple trees. If we know trees, in the winter, we can see the shape of a tree and we can say, oh, that's an apple tree. It's got a, tr a trunk, limbs, branches. That's all it has. That's the body of the tree. But the body of the tree is, is not very uh, beneficial. If it's just the body of a tree, come harvest time, I don't know. The body of a tree is nice, but I like apples. I don't eat the body of a tree. <laughs> I mean, you remember Yule Gibbons? This dates me, but you remember Yule Gibbons? He used to have that diet. You eat the cattail root and the hickory tea. He died at a ripe old age of 52. And it was, it was, it was, it was, it was instant. His diet went out the door that day. But it was the last day I drank any hickory tea. No more for me. But. So, so it's not the shape of the tree. It's not the shape of your life that fulfills the purpose of your life. So your physical body. Now, inside the tree, if you cut a tree down, there is uh, these annual rings that are in the tree. They're in the trunk. They're in the limbs. They're in the branches. And you can tell what the tree is. And I live in a forested area. I like to walk up in the forest. And I have a stump. I haven't visited. I have not visited it in many years, but I used to go to it regularly when I was fasting in the mountains. And it was 740 years old before it was gone. So I looked at its rings. And I like to look at its rings. And, and what I do is I look at it and I go, ooh, wow, those are some tight rings. Those must have been some hard years. You saw some drought in those years? And then I look at the fat years and I say, oh, my goodness, you went through some floods? You experience some floods? And then I look and I say, oh, how many bears scratched on your bark? And I, and I look and I try to imagine where a bear might have scratched. And then I'll see a dark area and I say, oh, my, you had a forest fire? That must have been tough. See, I could look at your life. You see, the soul is not your head. Your brain is a biological instrument physically that serves your soul but your soul, your soul is not here, and your spirit is not here. Your soul is the shape of you. Now, your soul is contained inside of you. Your spirit is not contained inside of you. 
Your spirit is in you, but it also has access outside of you. It's the weird part of you. And it's the neat part, and it's the weird part that a lot of people don't understand. But I'm going to tell you, anything that separates your soul, your spirit, and your body, making them separate, is not God. Because God will, his word is sharper. What he's expressed, even his written word, is so sharp, it'll pierce through, it pierces asunder. It pierces through the soul into the spirit. It pierces through the joint into the marrow. It pierces through the thought into discernment. And what does it do? It leaps into your being from the inside out. Okay? So I used to think the soul is soulish. But the spirit is good, the soul is soulish, and the flesh sucks. <laughs> but I've learned that the spirit is awesome, the soul is awesome, and your physical being is awesome. You're so wonderful, the shape of you is the identifier. We say, whoa, look, that's Barb. Oh, I love it when I see Barb. Okay, Because we recognize not just her, her spirit, not just her soul, but her physical being. And her world is a better place when she walks into the room. Yeah. Because without her in her world, her world would be missing a piece. So the tree has these rings, and so we could say your soul, which is manifested through your thoughts, your reasoning, your imagination, your emotions, and your desires, your soul is going to be affected by outside circumstances. Forest fires, floods. Uh, no, I didn't. Know, I, I achieved a goal of some kind. I don't know what I did. <laughs> I ran six miles this morning. You would think I got no more goals to achieve. But anyway. <laughs> So, so, so your soul, your thoughts, your reasoning, your imaginations, your emotions, your desires are affected by the circumstances of your world from the outside in. Oh, oh, a tree. I look at a tree. Did a oh, did a car crash into you yesterday at my little gathering of former uh, students? I'm hearing their story. Someone, their daughter died. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. That, that's, that's a terrible crash into your tree. That affects your thoughts, your reasoning, your imagination, your emotions, your desires. I don't know your stories, but you all, every one of you, has pain in your story. You have joy in your story. But your life is still on. That's right. Now, the, the past is the past. But the time in the kingdom is always now. Set your watches now. Don't ever move it from there. That's how I travel the world. The time is now. You'll never get jet lag if you do that. Just the time is it? It's now. <laughs> and you know what? Hey, the time is now. Set that. You'll never get old. Okay? Now, you, you, your body might fight that, but you'll never get old. You just set your clocks right. What time is it? It's now. Okay? Now. <laughs> what time is it? Okay. It's the only time that exists, guys. Right. Tomorrow, don't imagine about tomorrow. You got plenty of trouble to deal with today. Jesus said that. <laughs> you got plenty to deal with today. Why are you worrying about what hasn't happened yet? Right. Now, when he said that, he wasn't saying to fret about today. 
He would just say, you got enough to let the kingdom of God influence today that you don't need to be adding what the kingdom will affect tomorrow. And you don't need to be reminiscing over the what ifs, the could have beens, the why it wasn't of the past. Because if you live there, it'll hold you in something that doesn't exist anymore. And so the past is filled either with tombstones or stepping stones. And if you're on the stepping stones of the past, it simply means you haven't moved forward. And if you're in the tombstones, it means you're buried under something that happened yesterday. So get in the proper time zone now. Now, the secret to the soul is your spirit. Now, the fig tree is the same. The fig tree has the shape of the tree. It has the core of the tree. goes throughout the branches, throughout the limbs, the branches. The inner core is the soul of the tree. And if the tree was a human, God would say, I want to save the tree. I somehow want to bring salvation to the tree. The world of the tree needs the tree. The world of the fig tree was born to eat figs. And the fig tree's world says, oh, where are the figs? Where are the figs? Oh, where are the figs? And the fig tree was planted in its world to be a giver, not a taker. It was, it was planted in the earth to give its world figs. My fig tree is in my world. I'm going to go out there. I say, I understand the fig tree's young, so I'm not expecting too much yet, but I'm very pleased right now. It's looking very, very healthy. It has lots of leaves. But next year, I'm going to be looking for that. Now, my raspberries, oh, they, they have found the secret. They are, they are burying me with berries. I've got gallons and gallons of raspberries. I, and you know what? My world is being so blessed, I'm blessing other people's world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm giving away raspberries. I'm giving away lettuce. I'm giving away all kinds of stuff. My neighbors are, they're happy I'm on the block. <laughs> because my world is full of giving things. Life is being given to my world. So much so it's beginning to overflow from my world because there's too much, too many raspberries. There would be too many blueberries, but I'm uh, uh, I'm affected by Satan. Came in the form of a robin, flew through the fence. (laughs) So we 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 found some answers to that. So we're dealing with. So the secret to the fig tree is where are the fig tree's roots? If its fig tree roots are in the soil, if it's planted in the ground, then what's going to happen is when rain and sunshine and nutrients come, there's going to be something called the sap that's going to fill the soul of the tree. It's going to fill the soul of the tree. The sap of the tree is going to fill all the way up the trunk and out the limbs and through the branches. Oh, come on, maple people. You know all about the sap. We can't wait until Wisconsin maple trees get a little sap in their soul because then we can tap into it, right? We can tap into the sap that's in the soul of the tree and pancake world has just become better. (laughs) Breakfast has taken on a whole new environment now because the sap is in the maple tree. So the sap gets in the tree and it fills. And then what happens is it pops out as fruit. It pops out as 
is the, the sap of the maple, or it pops out as the fruit of the fig, it pops out as an apple. Now, you cannot do fruit. You can't do fruit. It, newsflash. Long-suffering is a fruit. Love is a fruit. Self-control is not a discipline of the flesh. It's a fruit. Joy, peace, kindness, it's a fruit. Goodness is a fruit. Patience, it's a fruit. It's when you're connected in the right place of your roots, the sap gets in your tree. The sap gets in your soul. When you hear God, people make a big mistake. They, they try to hear God. Oh, I got to hear you, God. I got to hear you, God. That's what he said. He who has an ear to hear, let him strive. Let him wrestle. Let him struggle. Let him fight. Let him be in pain until he hears. No, he says, he says let. See, the problem is we got, we're too smart. We got too much wisdom connected to what's good to the eye and what tastes good. We got, we got too much dependent upon knowing what we're doing. And so what happens is we, we fight fruit because we, we look from the outside in and then we, we think that that's how God speaks to us. We think God speaks to our souls. He doesn't. He speaks to our spirits. Then our spirits speak to our souls. So when you hear God as a thought, or you hear God in your reasoning, you hear God in your imagination, you hear God in your emotion, you hear God in your desires, you know what it sounds like? You. Why? It is you. It's your spirit that is connected to Holy Spirit. By the way, you cannot do holiness. You cannot... Abstinence from the world won't make you holy. It will make you empty. Only connection to Holy Spirit will make your spirit holy. And your spirit becoming holy floods your soul. And your soul becomes holy. Your thoughts become holy. Your reasoning becomes holy. Your desires, your imagination, your emotions. It's from the inside out. If we were smart, we would do more connection to Holy Spirit than tell me what to do. Show me what to do. Yeah. Give me a video. I'm not opposed to videos. I make lots. <laughs> I have old training programs for leaders around the planet. But my greatest testimony would be this. No information will ever change you. Right. Because information is not made to change you. Connection is made to change you. So in the beginning, God said, eat, eat, eat. He said, don't eat that one. And the day you eat it, you'll die. We'll look at a couple more other verses in Genesis 3. In verse 6, he says, so when the woman saw that the, the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. All right, now, when they did this, that was a disconnection from your place of being rooted. Because now, their world changed. My soul now is dependent upon an administration of information. 
The kingdoms of the world are kingdoms of information. So there's two things in the kingdoms of the world. One is human conscience, which is human spirit, not Holy Spirit. God put it in every human being to know there is a God and he's good. But since you live in a world that doesn't look like there is a God and doesn't look like he's good, you misinterpret who God is. And so you do something quick before he kills you or you ignore him altogether thinking he never will do anything. So in the world, the second thing, if you can't have conscience, then you have to have law. Okay, In the Torah temple society, the Israel culture, God did not want to give them law. He gave them law because of transgression, because of their inability to seek and find him. He gave them a testimony of him that would convict them of their need to needing him. So he only gave them perfect information so that they would be desperate enough to call up for the one who would give them transformation. Now, my Bible can be a book of information, or it can be an invitation for me to go and find my connection to find the transformation. Now, I'm going to say something that Jesus said that I didn't say. I'm prefacing it with Jesus so you don't kill me for saying it. <laughs> the scripture is not your teacher. Holy Spirit is your teacher. But because Holy Spirit is the inspirer of Scripture, Scripture is a witness to the voice of your teacher, or you'll fall for any teacher. Right, that's right. But Holy Spirit's your teacher because only Holy Spirit can transform you from the inside out. And Scripture can only inform you from the outside in. And the evidence will be the difference is outside in will make you mean. Inside out will make you clean. The outside in will make you mean. Inside out will make you clean. Inside out will make you innocent. Outside in will make you a judge. Okay, now. God is, you know, God has got a big picture. He sees things in the big plan. It's not like, you know, he was ignoring things until Jesus came. You know, heaven was just fine, by the way. God didn't have a problem in heaven. Okay. So after this fall, let's just look at it. see the nature of God. I'm not going to be much longer here. i got to get the one plot here. So they heard a sound. Okay, this is in verse 8 of chapter 3. Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Oh, I love it. I love it. You know, I started my day, I ran six miles in Baldwin this morning, and as I'm running, I'm worshiping. I run six miles almost every morning, right, Pastor Rob. And I, I'm worshiping God as I'm running, and I'm putting, you know, God in my heart. You know, the very first thing that comes out of my mouth when I get out of bed is tongues, and the second thing is I, I go to the bathroom, uh, and then I, <laughs> I, I get all set up. I go out and run, <laughs> and I'm worshiping God. And, and I put God in my heart. I put God in my mind in the first of my day. But isn't it wonderful that God wants to come at the end of your day to let you know you've been in his mind all day long? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love it. I, I love 50 years old in Christ. I want to know God in the cool of my day. 
I don't just want to know God in the first moment of my day. I want to know God in the cool of my day because He purposely came to walk with me. Right. Yes. <laughs> hey, come on. Hey, people who have some 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 white hair. Hey, I got really good news for you. God wants to walk in the cool of the day. It's okay. <laughs> There's a benefit to getting older. Because some things that you thought were important, you realize aren't so important, and you get to experience God in a richer way. Yes. <laughs> so God comes in the cool of the day. Now, Adam and Eve they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, look at I'm going to show you what a what a problem this created for God. Verse nine: The Lord God called to Adam and said, "Adam, Adam, where are you? Where are?" You? Hey, Adam! Adam! Where, Adam! Where are you at? Adam, where, where are you? Now, if you read the rest of the verses, it says, well, let's look at this. It says, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hit myself. Oh, this tells me that Adam didn't know who God was. His disconnection, his wisdom, his independence, made him blind to who God is. He was afraid when God walked in the garden. He was ashamed when God walked in the garden. But God had one thing to say. Adam, Adam, where are you at? I heard your voice. Of course, God says, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of that tree? Now, sin never created a problem for God seeing who you and I are. It created a problem for us seeing who he is and seeing who we are. So I started out by saying, who is God? Who are you? Sin, disconnection. Now what is sin? Sin is not, sin is not evil. No. Sin will result in evil. Sin is disconnected. Your roots are no longer in the place they should be. You, you don't have sap. There's no sap in your soul. There's no sap in the tree. There's no Holy Spirit connection to your spirit. So now your spirit is not the loudest voice in your being. The loudest voice in your being is your fleshly desires or your wounded soul. The loudest voice is, cars crashed into me. Fires happened in my life. Floods came. There were droughts. You, you don't understand. My thoughts can't be that way. My reasoning is messed up. My emotions, my desires, my imagination, my soul is affected. You know, your soul is the throne of your life. It's the means by which your body will reach out its limbs. But your spirit, is the key for your limbs producing fruit. You're not justified by your works, but your works will release the life of God if your spirit is connected to the Holy Spirit. So sin didn't create a problem for God. It created a problem for us. Now, I believe, okay, in, in Acts 17, Paul comes into Greece, into Athens, and 
he's, he's explaining to people who had no Torah law. They had no perfect knowledge of good and evil. All they had was a human conscience. And, and as a result, they, they made gods. They made things out of wood. They made things out of stone. And, and Paul goes in there, and he says some words that are pretty astounding. He can say this to people in the world today. <laughs> people who don't know God, they make stuff out of wood. They make stuff out of stone. Uh, they, they go do this. They, they create recreation. They do all kinds of things to, to find satisfaction, you know. But sooner or later, they find out what Mick found out. I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> but I can't, I, you know, how can I condemn them? How, how can I shame them for not being able to do that? They can't see. So what can they see? They can see, see light. They can see salt. So the question is, who is the light and who is the salt in their world? Not the question is, how much of a sinner are they? The question is, whose world are they in? And who is the salt and the light in their world? They need the salt and the light in their world. Jesus said, I'm sending you another helper. He said to the boys in John 14. He says, he's like me, but he's going to be not only with you, he's going to be in you. In you and with you. He's the one the world cannot receive. The world cannot see. They can't receive because they cannot, they cannot see him. They don't know him. Now, I can't condemn and shame a world that doesn't see him and know him. So my focus shouldn't be condemning sin. My focus should be, what kind of tree am I? What's the fruit that's coming off of me that's going to make them want to know, how did you do that? Where does that come from? What, what's this light you have? What, what's, this, what's, this, what's this seasoning? What's this preserving? What's this holiness? What's this salt that's in your life? What is this? When I came to Jesus, a guy named Jim stood up, talked about Christ coming into his life, and I thought, that ain't the Jim I know. That, that's a different Jim. That's, he got glowing stuff coming off of him. Whatever Jim's got, I want that. So, of course, in Acts 17, he says, God who made the world and everything in it, verse 24, says he is Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. He says he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he's made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. And he's determined their pre-appointed times, their boundaries of their dwellings. Though, why? So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might reach out, grope for him and find him. Well, though he's not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. In him we live, that's our spirit. In him we move, that's our soul. In him we have our being, that's our limbs, our fruit, our life. Okay? So I'm going to tell you, here's what I think God is. I don't believe that God is who he is. I believe that God is what he does. I raised three kids. When my kids were younger, I was a general contractor. And when I come home, you know, my kids would go, oh, great. 
an awesome general contractor. Oh, we love you so much, oh great and general contractor. Oh, worker of wood, would you please come and have a meal with us at our table? Oh, great, most awesome hammer of nails, worker of concrete, oh, solderer of copper. We honor you so much. You know, that's stuff I did. That's not who I am. God does God's stuff, but that's not who he is. And if you think that's who he is, then you get stuck with things that look like laws of what he requires. But the laws are really the testimony of the character of who he is, not the commandment of what he wants you to do. <laughs> he says, you shall worship no other gods. Why does that look like a commandment? Because he knows if you go to any other thing, it cannot give you the life that he wants to give to you. It can't get your sap on. It can't fill your soul with thoughts and reasoning, imagination, emotions, and desires that will make you a great dad, a fantastic grandpa, an awesome employee, a phenomenal employer, a giver of life to your world. See, who he is is father. You cannot break laws. You can only violate them. And then they break you unless you find a higher law. Right. Jesus shed blood seven places on the cross. The sixth place that he shed was on his feet. He's standing on an iron nail. And the way you die of crucifixion is they break your legs. And then you suffocate in your inner organs. The sixth place of, of shedding blood is a curse of the fall, a curse of the fall that that is uh, piercing things, thorns and thistles, or no, with I'm sorry, with with sweat you eat bread. Thorns and thistles is the fifth place. But with your your feet, with you you, you can't understand communion. With the sweat of your brow you eat bread. With the logic of your brain you eat bread. That's a curse. That's the sixth curse of the fall. Okay, so Jesus, while he's standing on this judgment nail, they nailed his feet for us. I'm going to propose that the cross that he was hanging on was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he was the tree of life. And he willingly laid his life on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because he knew it couldn't swallow up the tree of life. And the tree of life is standing on this judgment nail. And according to the justice system of the knowledge of good and evil, we should all die right there. Because there's two sins. One is the sin of transgression. You did something wrong. You didn't know it. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you make a blood sacrifice. Your sins are forgiven. The sin of presumption. You knew it was wrong. It was etched in stone. Don't do this. And you did it anyway. There's no forgiveness. To be just, we have to take you outside the camp and we have to kill you with rocks. Because you are death in the camp. So we have to take you out and kill you or you'll kill the camp. That's certain cultures, that's their justice system today. Oh, help us, God. Deliver us. Heal us that this is not the justice system of the body of Christ. <laughs> we call up for justice. Here's justice. An innocent man died for the guilty. There's justice. How can that be justice? 
You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he was born under the law, but he didn't die under the law. That's how he could fulfill the law. He found a higher law. He lived his whole life in a higher law. What law? The law of the Father's love. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what he said. He stood on that nail and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Whoa, he just freed everybody from the sin of presumption. Now, if he said that under Torah law, he's lying. He didn't say it under Torah law. He said it under the higher law, the Father's love. Just like when the Father came into the garden. Adam! Oh, Adam! Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Who told you you were naked, Adam? Did you eat of that tree? You see, sin never caused a problem for God in his world. It never stopped him from seeing us for who we are. When I was a teenager, Jim and Judy remember, I was messed up. My father got injured when I was 13. I had a few times where I had a few suicidal thoughts in my drunken and stoned nature. And I remember one day standing on a, a flooded bridge in the spring thinking about jumping in. A few years ago, God showed me that again. Only this time, he showed me standing and looking in the flooded water, and I remember the day. I was 15 years old. Standing, and and I'm looking at the water with thoughts of jump in. Only this time, as quick as he showed me that, it turned around, and now I'm looking at me on the bridge. And you know who's behind me? Jesus was standing on the bridge. (laughs) And this is what he said to me. He said, before you believed in me, I believed in you. Did you know your father believed in you before you believed in him? And you know it'll put sap in your tree is you know he's father. God is what he does. But father is who he is. Now, let me tell you how he does it. He's your friend. (coughs) He's your friend. My three-year-old granddaughter, she's got a revelation. Grandpa is my best friend. You know how she knows I'm her best friend? I make myself her size. Yeah. I move into her world. God, your father, loved you so much. He made himself your size, and he moved into your world because your world needs you. Yeah. Your world needs you to be a tree of life, to be a tree that gives fruit. You, you make a great you and a terrible somebody else. He says, oh, I love the fruit of Linda. Oh, that Linda fruit is so wonderful. I love the Linda fruit. Oh, Linda's world needs Linda fruit. Oh, and he, and he comes, oh, Linda, come on, be planted in me. Be planted in me. Let my spirit flood your spirit. Even when you're sleeping tonight, I'm going to be, yeah. I got a foot in heaven and a foot in you, and I'm drawing everything of life into you so that when you wake up in the morning, your spirit, your sap starts going in your soul, your thoughts, your desires, yeah. your emotions, yeah. Yeah. Oh, your imagination. Yeah. It starts coming to life, yeah. and then stuff starts popping off of you. Yeah. See, Jesus never did anything for the sake of Amen. power. He did everything Amen. for the sake of love. He said, greater things will we do. Okay? One last verse in closing. 
in in John chapter 14, the boys, he's about to leave his friends, and he's come to demonstrate to them. He's lived 33 and a half years. He's been three years with his disciples, and he's demonstrated to them who their father is. He's demonstrated to them that their sin never stopped God from seeing them for who they are. And they're about to betray him. They're about to deny him. They're about to hide. And it doesn't change a thing. So he says to them in verse 1 of chapter 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. He's talking about going away. And they're thinking, what's he doing? He's going to go. Our whole world's going to change. We're going to have another circumstance. It's going to hit our tree. He says, don't let your, let your heart be troubled. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Now, whatever's true in heaven is true in smaller measures on earth. And whatever's true in smaller measures on earth is true in a mega measure on heaven. You find something that's true in heaven, it's also true in heavenly places on earth. You find something that's true on earth that's heavenly, oh, it's mega true in heaven. So you know what? There's a mansion in heaven for you. But I don't think Jesus was talking about your cabin next to the lake. Jesus was telling them, they, they knew. Jesus, don't go. You're a mansion. You're a mansion, Jesus. You're a spacious place. You're full of life for us. Oh, Jesus, don't go. Don't go. And he said, no, no, no. No, it's important. I go, see, in my father's house, there are many mansions. I'm going so that the mansion of Rod the spacious place of God known as Ra will be in the earth. <laughs> I'm going so the spacious place will be filled with what I'm filled with, guys. It's important that I do this because right now you're seeing me, but you're going to do greater things after this because in my father's house there are many mansions. <laughs> and then he says, he says, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, my 12 disciples. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself. Oh, mega true. We talk about a oh, second coming. That's mega true. But what about his constant coming? He's talking to these guys. He's telling them, I'm going to come. Now, look at this. He said, actually, right here, I'll, I'll just refer to that verse I said earlier where in John 14, he says, I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, 12 disciples, because he dwells with you. Because here I am. But I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Well, there's a come again to the boys. I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to come to you again in a different way than you know me now. See, in my father's house, there are many mansions. That where I am, you may also be. Maybe also, verse 4, where I go, you know, the way you know, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. What are you talking about? How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. From now on, you know him because you have seen him. Now. Absolutely. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the life. Yeah. 
but he's answering a, a concern of his men that he'd been eating with, sleeping with, walking with for three years, and he's telling them, he's demonstrated to them, you've seen this, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. This is so true. The early church, they tried to explain. They said, well, what is this? And I said, well, we don't know. It's, it's the way. This is the way. They called it the way. What's the way? Jesus is the way. How is Jesus the way? He came to show us who God is, and the only way you could know who God is is he came as a son. Because God's your daddy. So the way is spirit to spirit. Jesus is the only way this is possible, but if I'm in the way, if I'm choosing Jesus as the way, then my spirit is going to be one with Holy Spirit seven days a week, 24 hours a day. That's where my identity comes from. He gives me life. Okay, then I'm the truth. The truth is the testimony of his life. You see Jesus, you saw the Father, you experienced him, you experienced the Father. When you walked into the room, the room changed. I'm the life. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. It's like spirit, soul, and body. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. It's like sap is the way, truth is the tree, the, the soul, and life is what comes off of the tree. Okay, now. Whatever you see God to be is what you can become. Whatever you see God to be is how you influence your world. God has poured out his Holy Spirit on you and I so that we will prophesy. Now, let's make that non-religious. Let's put that seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Here's what it looks like. What do people see when they see you? Got a great compliment. My sister back here, she says, I'm jazzy. She likes it when I'm in the room because it's jazzy. I said, it's jazzy and Jesus. We be jazzy and Jesus together. Okay? Now, she, 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 she says, I'm jazzy. I think she sees something. You see something? You know what that is? That's the way. That's the way. The way is we all jazzy when we're connected to the Spirit. We connect to the Holy Spirit. He gives life. God speaks and life happens. You're prophetic. You're influencing your world. What is your, what do people see? Do they want to run when they see you come? Or do you bring life? The more you see him, the more people will see him when they see you. What do they hear? Truth is, what do you hear? What do you hear? What did you hear when Jesus walked into the room? You heard love is what you heard. You saw it and you heard it. You saw life and you heard life. He gives life. He gives breath. We become an expression of him. What do people hear? Do they hear a complaint about the news? Or do they hear the truth? What's the truth? God so loved the world that he gave. He gives life. He gives breath. If he's the words, you're the poem. If he's the lines, you're the story. If he's the notes, you're the song. If he's the paint, you're the painting. What do people see in your world? 
Third thing is, what are they experience? What, what, what do they experience? God gives all things. What's coming off of you? What fruit coming off of you? What charisma of God is coming off of you? What supernatural testimony of love is touching people? So I'm going to pray. Because I believe that God is wanting to, to us to see him for who he is. There's something happening in the nations right now. Something stirring. Don't look at what the devil's doing. It says, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord will be higher than the mountains of the earth and the hills of the earth. So don't look at what's shaking. There's only one thing that makes the, the earth shake. Only one thing makes the earth shake. The devil does not make it shake. The manifest presence of the mountain of God, God in the room, makes things shake that can be shaken. So when it's shaken, don't look to the shake. Look for the one is who's rising. Where are you? Oh, where? Where's my friend? Where's my father? Where are you? Oh, oh, there you are. There you are. So what do we see? So, God, you do God stuff. You can do anything. You have sovereign abilities. But there's something even greater than your sovereign abilities. It's your nature. Your abilities are sovereign, but your nature is relationship. And you want us to willingly come to eagerly desire you and to, to, to be that way so much that people we work with see it. They see it. They hear it. They experience it. God, you made us to be a voice of life, a, a, a testimony of you as the way, the truth, the life. And make it so that we have to explain it. Not, not Make it so that there's questions. What is that that's coming off? God, help us to see that you are our father, a father who loves us, a father who's a friend. You're not a friend because Jesus died for us. Jesus died for us because you are our friend. You came because you believed in us before we believed in you. Anoint us as you have to be good news of life to our world in Jesus' name.